0: Hello and welcome to B2B Better, a podcast for the B2B marketer looking for actionable advice they can put into practice today. Social media, if you're like me, it's something that you have a love-hate relationship with. Done right, it's a fantastic channel to build and be part of a community, give your organization a human personality, and nurture potential leads into customers. But done badly, it's just another means to shout a message no one cares about into a void that has a habit to chew you up and spit you out before you've got a chance to blink. On this episode of B2B Better, I sit down with Syed Ali, who's a senior manager of social media at Databricks, and he shared his advice with me on how you can make sure that you stay in the former camp. He walks me through his advice on how he built out the social media strategy when he joined his organization as the first person dedicated to growing it as a channel. He shared some of his hard-won wisdom on managing multiple platforms as a solo marketer, from generating ideas to producing content and analyzing the results. And we had a little fun at the end with a new segment on this podcast where I put Syed in the unenviable hypothetical situation of being a new social media manager for an organization that's never done it before, but the CEO has now mandated they need to start doing it to help generate new leads, and I picked his brains on where he'd start. All this and more on B2B Better. Here we go. So on this episode of B2B Better, I am joined by Syed Ali, who is the senior manager of social media at Databricks. How are you doing, Syed? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing very well. Thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So as I mentioned, you are the senior manager of social media at Databricks. Tell me a little bit about your journey. How did you get to the position that, that you hold today?
1: Yeah, so you know, I'm from San Francisco. I studied journalism with the aspirations and working in the media industry. Uh, you know, I had to make some pivots based on where the industry is going long term. Um, you know, I quickly realized that I, well, I may not find a job as a writer for a newspaper or magazine that I was content with finding a job, doing anything writing or editing related. Randomly found a job in social media for a startup. Um, and i just been in the industry for now 10 years. So um, I've been pretty fortunate where I've been on both the B2B and the B2C side. Um, I've also been on the in house and, and agency side. So um, currently, as you mentioned, I'm the senior social media manager at, at Databricks. Uh, just crossed one year. Uh, prior to that, um, I was at Informatica um, where I was there for, for four years. So, you know, at, at Databricks, I did in the AI and, um, and data analytics space uh their first social media hire so as you can imagine uh being a team of one lots lots to do but uh also you know really exciting
0: yeah absolutely i lo- i love that i love the stories uh of the journey like that that you've had where you've necessarily weren't uh, gearing up for a career in social media when you first started but the stars aligned and that's where you ended up and it sounds like you just you've done a the full spectrum uh in house agency b2c b2b you've you've done it all
1: Yeah. I mean, I have always tried to go kind of where the opportunity has been. I, you know, early on I realized that I didn't want to pigeonhole myself by working in, you know, one specific sector, one specific industry, or, you know, or only working for agencies. So, you know, here in the Bay Area, you, you know, there's a wider way of opportunities. So I'm pretty fortunate there. So as I said, I've always kind of gone where the opportunity has gone. And this is probably the first time in my career where I've worked within the same industry twice. Um, you know, obviously Informatica and Databricks are different, but still, you know, the data and, and AI space. So that, you know, I was, I was long overdue sticking in one
0: industry. Yeah, absolutely. So you spoke a little bit there about Databricks. Um, Tell us a little bit more about them. So technology company, they offer a a unified platform for data and AI, right? Oversimplification, I know, but explain it for me.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, Databricks, headquartered out of uh, San Francisco, they've, you know, uh, the original co-founders were uh, classmates at uh, Berkeley, um, they're the original creators of Apache Spark. Um, you know, they've also created uh, other platforms such as, um, you know, MLflow and Delta Lake. Um, and as you mentioned, they're in the data and analytics space. Um, so you know, just primarily focused on uh, powering data teams on some of the world's you know complex problems and, and issues.
0: I mean, how would you say that? yourself and i guess by extension databricks approach b2b social media what do you see as its role in running a b2b business so you know as i mentioned
1: um i was the first social media hire um you know it's kind of a a hodgepodge ragtag group of folks managing it from different teams um you know so it wasn't siloed or managed by a singular person so i kind of came in trying to wrangle everyone together, understanding the business needs, understanding who needed what. Um, So at least, you know, when I came in, um, I wasn't asked to kind of, you know, support things such as demand gen or or website traffic yet. It's really focused about, you know, um, building out a program, making it scalable, um, and, you know, kind of whipping it into shape, but, you know, I do work cross-functionally. So I support, um, you know, our, our, sales team and, um, getting them, you know, onto social media, supporting them on their social selling, um, campaigns. Uh, you know, I do work with our HR team. Um, they have, you know, big lofty goals when it comes to, um, you know, filling roles, um, and getting candidates in. And obviously I work closely with our web team uh, as well as our demand gen team. Um there's no shortage of content at Databricks. We churn out a ton of blog posts, ton of ebooks, ton of webinars. So, you know, I've primarily been tasked with, you know, up leveling our, our brand awareness, but doing everything that we can to uh up level our, our website traffic. And then of course ultimately uh supporting our, our demand gen efforts and you know getting new leads and um new new folks interested into the platform
0: that's really interesting it sounds like you know you you've had a story at databricks which many social media managers find themselves in um when they're joining uh, a small to medium-sized business where social media has been a thing and as you said it's uh bit of a hodgepodge and it's being kind of, you know, managed by uh, different stakeholders across the business. And there's a realization that actually, you know, we need to bring some structure to this. What would you say, or, you know, tell us a little bit actually about, um, tell us a little bit about that journey that that you, that you went on with Databricks uh, at the beginning of your role, where you were coming into that situation and you were having to define a strategy that met the objectives and the goals of the organization. How, how did you start?
1: You know, my, my kind of a pseudo strategy when I go into a new place is, obviously, I try to meet with as many leaders from different teams as possible. I, I just want to understand what their goals are, how can social media help, or, um, you know, wh- what are some issues that they're having, uh, even just outside of social media. Um, and then, you know, secondarily, meeting with our leaders and understanding what our goals are. Um, in marketing, are we focused on net new leads? Uh, Are we focused on improving conversions, uh, website traffic? Um, You know, are there things that we need to fix or up-level when it comes to creative? Um, And then the the third part of that is, you know, every situation that I've, you know, gone into, um, I always try to see um, what our current audience is, um, but I also try to understand what our current content mix is. You know, do we have a blog? And if we do um, what's the volume per week and what are we writing about? Um, you know, when it comes to things such as, uh, live events or webinars, um, how many of those are we turning up per quarter? Um, you know, is there a culture content? Do we have video content? Um, do we have eBooks? Um, and usually what I'll do within the first three to six months is I'll take that same piece of content, put it out um, everywhere, you know, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, if there's one, and then just see how it performs on each network. Um, and then I'll kind of, you know, roll this out and see it through for roughly, I'd say at a minimum three months, maybe six to ensure there's a decent amount of data. And then after that period, um, you know, you can go back And then, you know, look in the the weeds of the the data and see uh, what type of content is getting the most clicks uh, and the most engagement and optimize accordingly. Because, you know, a blog post, especially for a B2B brand, can, uh, you know, make a killing on LinkedIn, but maybe on Facebook, it doesn't, you know, get the, the amount of engagement or the volume of website traffic. And in the same vein... Um, perhaps there's something cool happening at the office, uh, a holiday party, or uh, you know something culture related that you post on LinkedIn that people may not be interested in, but you know you could put on Instagram or Facebook, and uh, you know there's a good amount of groundswell there. So I think that's a really important piece, just identifying what uh, your content mix is currently, uh, but then also understanding um, you know what's performing best per channel and kind of optimizing per that channel so that you can kind of keep your foot on the gas.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I guess uh, just based on what you just said, it's almost if you were going into this situation um, as a social media manager where uh, there is a desire to more formalize social media's function within the marketing department um, as a means to, you know, hit those KPIs, those, uh, those objectives, generating new leads, increasing awareness. It's almost like you want to create four or five lists, um, which as you mentioned, you know, one is outlining the goals that you're going after, which I imagine you come to with uh, uh, alongside your leadership team. Generating that kind of knowledge by having those conversations with the stakeholders across the business. And obviously that can start at, at leadership, but it should run through the organization because uh, some of the best knowledge and some of the best stories, at least from my experience, and, and tell me if it's the same for you, come from outside uh outside the leadership you know the the the, the boots on the ground so to speak um identifying the audience that that you already have and perhaps also the one that you want to build alongside your social platforms doing that content audit what have you got what materials do you have to hand that you can start pumping out immediately and then analyzing it all and just being on that kind of constant uh feedback iteration loop um you don't want to set a strategy and then let that run forever more. It's something that you want to keep working on and, and keep developing as you uh, as you build your audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I, I've done this at a couple of different jobs and the thing that I found really interesting is doing that content audit when you're doing a look back of the content that performs the best or performs the worst. And the reason why I think it's important because... I've worked at a lot of places where there may not have been a head of content or someone who's kind of got that full umbrella view of everything we're putting out. There's eBooks, blog posts, webinars, et cetera. And oftentimes, you know, when we work at places, we're kind of in a silo where we're writing a blog post because we want to raise awareness about um, an upcoming event or webinar or writing a blog post because it supports um, something that we as an individual um, are supporting. But at the same time, um, you also need, want to write content that's resonating with folks. So I've often done these audits and shared with folks in the mansion and SEO and our product marketing managers to let them know, hey, these are, let's say, the 10 blog posts that we wrote this month. And these are the five that have performed the best. And these are the five that we, that have performed the least. Um, and you'll definitely find some pretty interesting insights. Um, and I've always found it helpful because then, you know, your PMM team who are, you know, the, the thought leaders in the space that they really, really understand and know the technical content, um, they kind of have that aha moment of, oh, well, this topic performed really well, but it seems like this other topic we wrote about uh, people didn't really seem to clear, um, care based on the click and the engagement data. Uh, let's, let's optimize for that. So I don't see this as something that's stationary. This is something that I've always done kind of just on a month to month basis. Cause obviously your content is going to change. So I do think it's important to kind of do look backs with your team who's, you know, actually creating the content so that they're using their time wisely and creating content that people actually care for and want to read and want to share.
0: I want to pick up on something that you, that you mentioned a moment ago, um, which was, you know, the different types of content that can exist within a business um, and the, the respective channels that would be most appropriate for it to be published across. As you said, you know, there could be something cool happening in the office, obviously, when we're allowed back into offices, um, that wouldn't make sense to publish on something like LinkedIn, but would make sense to publish on Instagram. I mean, how did you, when you joined Databricks and and in previous roles, how did you figure out exactly where to focus your attention and and your resources? Because, you know, social media is something you can easily get carried away with. There's just so much you can do in so many different places. Um, Unless you've got, you know, a team behind you and and a well-funded team, I guess, to really go out and go after it, uh, go after everything, you could... Find yourself just, just just spending time and energy and effort on things that maybe aren't aren't uh, generating the results that you're going after.
1: Yeah, so the thing that um, I always hark on is that there's a lot of social networks out there, but you don't have to be on every one of them. Be where your audience is. And I, I know that sounds very cliche, but you know, especially in the B2B space, um, offhand most people know, which social networks work best but you know is it as absolutely necessary to be on TikTok or Snapchat probably not um do you need to be on Instagram um that's kind of a judgment call but you know of the B2B companies that I've worked for um I do think it's very very valuable to be on Twitter and be on LinkedIn um that's where your content is going to perform best and That's where you'll find most of your practitioners. Uh, Facebook, I I often go back and forth, um, and the reason why I say that is because you know most folks know on organic, um, the reach of your posts is under five percent. So that's why you know I'm a big proponent of optimizing um, for that channel, whether it's you know leveraging blog posts or culture content, um, Instagram. When I came to Databricks. Um, that was a dormant channel. We had secured the name. Um, I'm a big fan of Instagram. Um, so I decided to kind of, you know, open it up and, and make it active. Um, specifically for Databricks, I don't see it obviously as a channel that's going to be bringing in, you know, leads or, or website traffic. I kind of use it as more of a channel for brand awareness and supporting recruiting. So um, I, I think our biggest levers for databricks or twitter and um, linkedin and then after that it's probably facebook and then you know instagram i i you know kind of refer to it as the, the youngest child because we're still kind of growing you know that channel still figuring out what to do there but not putting a crazy amount of time and effort there because you know as you mentioned when you're a team of one you have to be very mindful of where you're putting your time and resources and that's why I'm a big believer in not stretching yourself too thin because I'd rather be on two to three social social networks where we're putting in a level effort as opposed to being on, you know, 10 different accounts um, or having, you know, 10 different uh, uh, channels and, you know, putting in, you know, middle of the ground effort and, you know, things are, you know, inconsistent or or, or dormant or, or, you know, broken or misaligned. So, um, that's kind of my advice, you know, I'm a big proponent of less
0: is more. I can definitely get behind that though. I am still trying to figure out how can I make TikTok work <laughs> for me to be because <laughs> like, uh, I'm not ashamed to admit this. I'm a big fan of TikTok. Uh, I am what you'd classify as a lurker. I'm not someone that's creating content for TikTok. Um, I'm the same. But you know, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like if you got the right organization with the right social media marketing manager, um, and you know the right buy-in from from the organization, I think you could make it work. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. And I, I, um, I'm not you know going to underestimate TikTok or Snapchat. I'm I'm on both social networks and I'm I'm a big fan of them. But I think uh, depending on your com- company culture and your resources. Um, and if you have the time to be on TikTok and Snapchat, I, I do agree with you. I, I do think, you know, you can make it work, but, you know, I think you'd have to fight the battle of, you know, it might work in the sense of, um, a brand awareness or spotlighting company culture, um, or, you know, using it as an, uh, as a recruiting tool. Um, you know, I, I've seen some practitioners where they've used Snapchat, um, to kind of show off creativity from uh, different folks in our engineering team, just things that they're working on, um, you know, uh, things that they're hosting like hackathons. Um, And, you know, TikTok has that fun element with with music and, you know, the the little quick, you know, 10 to 15 second videos. I I do think there's an opportunity there, but uh, I, I think it really falls on kind of just your company culture and, and, and your resources and, and, you know, kind of just, um, what is that niche where you can get enough of your technical audience there to, to watch and engage.
0: So we've spoken about this a little bit already. Um, but I want to ask you the question directly, uh, in your opinion, what makes a B2B brand worth following on social media? And is there a difference for customers, for employees, for for technology partners, um, you know what? What what makes a B two B brand worth following?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so for customers, you know, you you already have their business. So if they're following you on social media, um, they're typically yearning for more. Um, and what I mean by more is more more knowledge, more insights, more tips. Um, they're looking to maximize everything they can out of their investment which, you know, when you're in the B2B space, it comes at a premium. Um, And they're probably interested in unique and creative ways that um, others, whether they're in their industry or outside of their industry, are using the service. Um, For non-customers, they're probably dipping their toes in the water, just familiarizing themselves with the product, but aren't customers yet uh, for a reason unknown. Um, They're they're doing their due diligence to kind of understand everything you've got and and then some. Um, so my belief is that as a brand, you, you've definitely got to be a thought leader in the space and show how you're elevating your current customers, whether it's showing off use cases as to, um, you know, how you're saving them money, how you're saving that time, how you're empowering them to do cool things. Um, but you've also got to humanize your brand through your people and your culture so that you don't pigeonhole yourself into just technical content Um you know, and you and you listed off some examples. It it is different um, across the board. So, you know, your your industry partners, um, you know, they're probably looking to tap into each other's following and and kind of cross promote. Whether it's you know a joint ebook or a joint event or a joint webinar. Um, for customers, like I mentioned, they're they're looking for you know anything new that they can learn from the platform from you directly. That they themselves couldn't, you know, um, find out on their own. Um, for employees, you know, I've, I've been at places where, you know, I've, I ran the, you know, employee advocacy program and the employees are kind of itching to share new information, whether it's, um, a piece of content that announces, um, you know, a a new service, um, or a new tool or it's a piece of um, culture content where, you know, maybe you're announced as uh, uh, a best place to work or, you know, there was a holiday and you had a you know party at the company. So um, you do definitely have to optimize uh, per audience because they're all looking for different things. But um, I do believe that it is helpful to kind of tap into, you know, each network and diversify your content mix so that you're not – pigeonholing um, yourself and and kind of being just stuck in this rut of promoting the same content over and over again.
0: You mentioned a word um, there, humanize. And and that's what I just love so much about social media and especially for B2B organizations, because, you know, I feel depending on the type of business that you are, um, you know, your, your kind of language, your tone of voice, your personality across Sales materials, you know, decks, um, one pages, websites, can be sometimes a little bit vanilla. Um, and social media, if you if you do it right and you really invest in you know developing your voice, can be a fantastic outlet um, to, to to humanize a brand. Because it sounds a little bit cliche, but whether you're talking B two B or whether you're talking to B two C, at the end of the day, you know there are people on the other end of that phone or of of that you know laptop. Um, who are consuming your content and, and trying to learn more about you? they go home at the end of the day, they hang out with their kids, they watch TV you know they kick back and unwind and um, I think it's a I think it's a mistake personally um, for b2 b brands that translate what in other contexts and instances may be an appropriate distance between between a brand and a, a customer in terms of language and tone of voice don't take an opportunity on social media.
1: Um, I totally agree with you. I think, I think, you know, especially on the B2B side, I think some brands are a little afraid to have a bit of a playful tone. Um, but I, what I do enjoy about social media is that, you know, it's definitely allowed me the opportunity to kind of uh, get outside of our brand guidelines and be a little bit playful. I mean, it's called social media for a reason. You, you look at some of the best brands out there, uh, they're doing, you know, fun, quirky, creative things. Um, obviously, and you know, you don't want to get uh, a bit too far ahead, um, and you know, do something a little too crazy on on the B two B side. But I do think when you're sharing content that's technical, I do think that there's an opportunity to kind of massage that language and uh, make it more relatable to folks, because um, oftentimes we get caught up in using technical jargon and padding in, um, you know, too many phrases without really getting to the meat of the content. Um, And I think the other part of it is you can also humanize your brand by showing off the actual people that work there. So I'm a big proponent of, um, you know, promoting culture content. It can be silly things like Zoom happy hours or, you know, what are you doing with virtual birthday parties or... Um, you know, any fun things that happen culturally that are only unique to your company um, or even, you know, quick spotlight videos of employees talking about, you know, why they joined your company or why they love working there. So, um, again, I I think, uh, you know, we oftentimes forget on the B2B side that um, yes, social is, uh, you know, uh, a vehicle to share content, but There's also an expectation from customers that you be on social, uh, but you also have a large amount of folks that are using social to kind of get a feel for who you are as a company. Um, And so, you know, I I do think that, you know, there's limitless potential in terms of what you can do, not just with your creative banners, uh, but also with the videos and, and your copy but also just how you're engaging with folks one-on-one on Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, folks who may have a question, or people who may have said something negative about you, or may disagree with you. I think that's also an opportunity to kind of open up yourself and reply in a more, you know, personable manner instead of sending a, a generic, uh, um, you know, you know, uh, piece of language that was approved by legal. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. If we were having this conversation on Twitter, I would have got that preach gif and I would have put it on everything you just said. So, <laughs>
1: well, and then, and then the the bad part about that is, uh, you know, often there are brands that, um, you know, when, when someone has a question, but it's that like question that's asked by multiple people, if you just look at the replies of a brand account, you'll see that they've almost copied and pasted the same answer to multiple people. And that's another missed opportunity. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a chance where you can be, uh, you know, unique and, and different and creative to each individual reply you, that you get so that you don't come off as some automated bot.
0: I think that's a really great point. I think that if, you know, if we put it, if we put ourselves in the shoes of the solo social media, uh, marketer, you know, position that, that you've clearly been in, I think it's a balancing act, right you know often you're responsible for strategy, responsible for content creation, you're responsible for distribution for analytics, and then you throw in community management as well uh, it, it can it can be a lot right I mean what would Absolutely. be your what would be your your advice to someone who's listening to this and they're in that position? how can they most effectively maximize their time
1: yeah so i've so as I mentioned, I've worked in social media for for ten years now. Um, pretty much every job, aside from one, I've been a social media team of one. So my biggest advice for you know fellow practitioners is that it starts with knowing what you're good at, and then identifying your coworkers that can help fill in the gaps. So you know, as I mentioned earlier in our talk, um, my background is in journalism. So I've always been pretty confident in my you know, comprehension of complex topics, Um, you know, especially in the B2B space comes in handy. You're talking about things related to data analytics and artificial intelligence. And I've always been confident in in my writing and editing skills. So to kind of fill in the gaps, I've always tried to partner with colleagues in marketing operations and demand gen and creative who can kind of help make my day-to-day easier. So, That, you know, I'm not under the stress of feeling compelled to do everything alone. Um, So, for example, you know, is there a head of editorial at your company that can, you know, ensure your copy is on brand or can, you know, perhaps give some advice to up-level it? Is there someone in recruiting who can keep you updated on events in your company and perhaps go to those events and take photos and videos for you? So in case you're busy or can't attend, um, you know, is there someone on the creative team that you can partner with who is willing to commit to a certain amount of assets, you know, per week or per month? And the big thing that I, I'd stress, um, again, is not to feel compelled to do everything, but um, getting your colleagues to understand the importance of why you're asking them for help. Um, you know, cause oftentimes when you're a team of one, um, I've definitely been guilty of this where I've kind of just come up to someone and said, Hey, I need, you know, X, Y and Z, but maybe I haven't done the best job of explaining why, you know, I need this asset or why I need this ASAP. So, you know, for example, when, you know, working with, um, you know, our recruiters and HR, you know, how can we best partner, um, so that we can support each other's goals regarding website traffic to our careers page and, you know, getting more applications to jobs and getting more, you know, candidates to the door for interviews. Um, for the creative team, instead of kind of just blindly coming up to them and asking them for a snippet of a video or a GIF, maybe explaining to them why this asset needs to be designed or created in a certain manner or format Um, because, you know, maybe it'll help, uh, with the click through rates. Um, maybe it'll help with social media engagement. Um, you know, maybe it'll help with more downloads. So, um, I kind of see it as a two, two way street where you need to kind of identify who can your key collaborator, collaborators be within your company. But also, I think the other piece that we often forget is kind of explaining to them the, you know, the nuances of social, um, and you know why you're asking for what you're asking for,
0: I think that's so important um to to communicate well to 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 make sure that you're communicating as you say the value that will be as a, that will come as a result of doing it in a particular way um, and if we could kind of if we could zoom out from that uh, for a moment and if we found ourselves in a position, you know, if you found yourself in a position um, where you were given the responsibility of leading social media within your organization um, and it's something that maybe has been mandated, you know, by a leadership team, but you are uh, having to sell it across, across the business. um, I mean, what, what are your specific, what's your specific advice on communicating that value? Um, Is it, as you say, just tangibly drawing a line between, you know, cause and effect. We do this, we get this. Um, what do you do if you if you face resistance? Have you ever found yourself in that situation? How do you overcome that?
1: I've been pretty fortunate where I haven't faced resistance in the sense where executives are questioning the value of social media. Um, but in my career, most of the executives that I've worked with and collaborated with, um, they don't always know the value of social media. I think for them, they kind of look at it from the 10,000-foot view of, you know, this is where we share content and hope it gets popular. But I think, you know, um, going to the weeds of, um, you know, how social media can not only help with brand awareness, but it can help with, you know, reputation management. You know, someone saying something negatively about you or your product or your service and how you can engage with them, Um, how social media can assist with SEO, um, how it can help with website traffic, um, how it can assist with net new leads, um, how it can help with, you know, recruiting. Um, You know, oftentimes, um, you know, I've been at some places where I was the first ever social media manager and they weren't doing anything. So a lot of the things that I mentioned um, weren't really on their radar, and I have often had to explain you know the nuances of social and what I like to do. So I've been fortunate where I, I didn't see or, or you know meet a lot of resistance. It's more of that um, light bulb moment of oh, I didn't know social media could help with this or I didn't know you could do things like this in social or I didn't know that um, social would impact this. So I've always led with the the how and the why um, of all the ways that social can help cross functionally, because oftentimes um, leaders will kind of pigeonhole it to just marketing or just communications. But uh, I think people often forget how social can support um, you know different teams in you know different countries or teams in um, recruiting and talent brand or how it can help uh, your executive team, or how can an, it help uh, your sales team. So I, I, I've always led with that, that, you know, social media is kind of just this multifunctioning kind of living, breathing mini department that they can do more than just post content and hope it, you know, gets popular and big.
0: And I suppose that kind of ties to your previous point, which was, you know, working with other stakeholders across the business to, to, uh, to run social media, right? Because the more that you can loop in your colleagues, um, and the more success you can demonstrate for them, you know, for someone who does find themselves in, in an organization where maybe they are, you know, trying to convince the lead, convince leadership that social media can be an effective tool for, you know, all of these great things you've just mentioned, getting those, those wins, getting those success stories, um, across departments and across the business as a whole are just fantastic proof points. Um, you know, for instance, if you are a marketing manager and uh, you've got a, a an interview with one of your, your lead commercial um, members, one of your lead commercial colleagues, and you do a great job on social media promoting it and uh, it gets good engagement and it's something that they can then in turn point to as... Uh, a tool which will help them with their prospecting. I mean, that's just, you know, you're building the case in effect through your work.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, two quick examples here at Databricks. Um, We have been trying to run mini campaigns where we spotlight different employees around the world um, and just, you know, conversationally um, understanding why they, you know, join Databricks and what they love about it. Um, you know so we created templates and small videos um, really trying to personalize them uh, the first time we we launched it um, you know we launched it on a Saturday afternoon just you know a a, a simple post across all social channels uh, linking back to our careers page and the following Monday um, our SEO manager sent me an email and he said that uh, he noticed that there was a gigantic spike to the careers page, um, on Saturday. And he, you know, he asked me, you know, if I posted something, uh, I, had forgot to mention him about this, but I'd, I'd sent him links to the posts and, you know, he looked back at Google analytics and he was like, yep, that's it. That, that did it. Um, and you know, and I, I shared this with, um, our team in talent brand and recruiting and, they were super excited because, you know, they don't have insight to Google Analytics and they only know about the social data when I reach out to them or, or vice versa. Um, but that's an example of helping a recruiting team in you know, getting more people interested in our open roles and hopefully getting uh, more applicants. Um, you know, another example, um, I also lead the employee advocacy program at Databricks. And oftentimes what I've found is, You know, I'll share a blog post or an ebook on the Databricks social channels and you know it'll it'll perform okay. Or sometimes it'll perform not that well and some days it'll perform great. But I found that on days where you know I've promoted something that didn't do that well, but I've also given it to our employees, that sometimes they'll get twice as much engagement on their personal LinkedIn um, or more than compared to you know, the same asset being promoted on the Databricks LinkedIn. So that's just an example of um up-leveling our, our sales team, you know, where it helps them with prospecting, helps them build their out build out their own brand, but at the same time, um I'm supporting web traffic goals and I'm also supporting our, our demand gen team and getting more interest into the specific asset.
0: I love that. Um and it's actually something that I've also seen in in the past in some of the roles that I've worked in, you know, and it kind of goes back to your point earlier about um analyzing and iterating, you know, uh through through the promotion of of content on social media. I remember that we used to publish uh posts on LinkedIn and on Twitter that would feature, you know, one of our our lead sales colleagues um and it would be a, you know, a fairly standard graphic that maybe had the city of the the city that they had been speaking in with our logo or something and the engagement was okay but it wasn't great and then we we swapped the graphics so that they featured a profile of of the um uh of the of the of the sales colleague and the engagement just went through the roof i think because our employees who obviously knew the person within the organization saw their face and liked it and shared it. And it was something that the person in question also made a big, um, made a big show about on their own personal channels. And it was just a small little tweak of a piece of content that we've been putting out anyway. And, uh, the results just, just were magnified, uh, amazingly. And I think that's
1: something that is underrated in the realm of social media. I, you know, uh, 10 work 10 years of working in the industry, um, just think of the volume of um, brand accounts that have been created during that time along with people. Um, and I, I think we're seeing kind of this small shift where peer-to-peer social is getting bigger and bigger, which is why I kind of harked on that piece of the employee sharing the blog post that performed better than, you know, it being shared on the Databricks LinkedIn account. I think, you know, people are aware of brands, um, when they're posting both organically and paid, but there's just something about that peer to peer sharing where you see someone's face and they put, you know, content in their own words. Um, it kind of, you know, in a way puts their own stamp of approval and validation and kind of, uh, you know, uh, gives you the itch to kind of consume that more than you you might from a brand.
0: Well, let's talk about this because you know I, I agree with you. I think um, I think it's an amazing opportunity to kind of leverage uh, for social media managers to leverage their colleagues across the business to amplify their work. I do think, in my experience, you know, uh, sometimes I've struggled to figure out exactly okay, how do I go beyond re- reactive amplification? You know, just waiting for people to share something that I've put out into 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 the world you know can i do a better job in formalizing some sort of process where maybe i'm giving my my colleagues across the organization more visibility of what we're putting out in advance can i explicitly just ask them to share it on our behalf um you know when it comes to executive profiles you know what are the what are the kind of uh the challenges and the pitfalls to maybe look out for there i mean what are your thoughts on all that
1: Yeah, good question. So uh, I can start off with the employee piece and answer the exec piece later. Um, On the employee piece, um, you know, I I run the employee advocacy program um, at Databricks. Um, I also um, ran the employee advocacy program at my last job, Informatica. Um, And we use the tool to help us with the employee advocacy program. Currently, um, you know, we're using Sprout Social's employee advocacy program. Um, or excuse me, tool, bamboo. Um, and that was something that I was tasked with when I first started. Um, that was something that my boss, the head of comms, and you know our chief marketing officer were really um, adamant about getting off the ground because at the end of the day, um, pretty much every place you'll work at, you'll find that there are employees that are adamant about sharing your company's content. But really, it's about how do you um, up-level those who are the power of social media users, but also those who you know, may be afraid or maybe promoting content passively, how to encourage them and kind of amplify them. Um, and even if you don't have the funds to purchase a tool, you can absolutely do things via your internal communication tools, whether it's you know, using the internet or simply using email. Um, so the way I've seen it, I, I always try to get ahead of the content. Um, I'll try to draft content in multiple different ways that, you know, a human would kind of share the content um, and, you know, uh, just getting it out oftentimes the day it goes live or even sooner than that. Um, you know, because again, your, your employees are going to share your content regardless of whether you have a tool, tool or not, but it's really about um, getting the content uh, up to them as soon as possible, um, and providing them with kind of just a guided copy in terms of, Hey, if you're going to share this, um, here's some key themes or, or some key phrases and, and and words you should be leveraging. Um, and also, you know, you want to factor in things such as uh, localization because you might have people in different regions sharing the content, um, but also you want to deliver that content in as many different avenues as you possibly can. So whether it's the tool, the email, using, um, IM functionality, um, a newsletter. Um, so as of right now, you know, we've got, um, close to about a thousand employees at Databricks using Bamboo. Um, and we've really seen it as, as a game changer. Um, it's really helped with, um, you know, website traffic. Um, it's also helped with leads when we're promoting things such as, you know, ebooks and webinars. Um, and, you know, when we have won awards where Databricks was nominated or selected as a best place to work, that's content that, you know, unanimously our, our um, employees are just dying to share. Um, so that's kind of helped arm us and you know, get this out to as many employees as possible in kind of a, a seamless manner.
0: That's great. And and how about the uh, the executive profiles? Because often, you know, the C suite and, and VP level um, uh, are are the power users that you described. Um, well, certainly the ones that you know when you when you put their name out into the world, um, the world the world listens. So how how can you leverage their their social media platforms for your benefit?
1: Yeah. So this is definitely a bit more nuanced, you know, whether I've been at Databricks or other companies, um, you'll find kind of a, a hodgepodge with your exec team. You'll find some executives who, um, are really adamant about sharing content to social, whether it's their personal Twitter, their personal LinkedIn, and they'll just proactively do it. And there's some that, um, don't have the time or some who aren't making the time. So I think the key here is kind of working closely with your executive and making sure you're kind of understanding who they are as a person. Um, Because I've been in many situations where I've had to, you know, ghostwrite content or kind of nudge executives to post something. And you definitely want to make sure that you're writing content or delivering content to them that kind of falls in line with, kind of their brand, so to speak. Something that you can definitely see them not only sharing, but also writing. Um, the other piece to it is, I, I think it's very helpful to come up with a roadmap of what you're going to be asking them to be sharing because you, you definitely don't want it to be reactive either. You don't want to get stuck where you're only having them share content when you have big news, whether you're announcing you know, a new product, or win an award for something, um, you definitely want to have, you know, a, a full functioning calendar where, um, they're consistently sharing content. So they're staying top of mind. Otherwise you don't want their personal Twitter, their personal LinkedIn to be dormant where they're coming out of a cave, you know, every two or three months. And it looks a little suspicious when they are sharing.
0: So look, we've been talking for almost an hour now um, and I'm conscious that it is a Sunday and uh, you've very kindly given up your time to speak to me. I want to finish off with a new segment that uh, uh, we're introducing to B2B Better, where you and me walk through a hypothetical situation. And in this case, let's say that you left Databricks and you went to go work for a manufacturer of something like deep sea drilling equipment, and uh, the situation is one that we've already talked about uh, on this podcast already, which is there is no social media presence to speak of. Yet, a new CEO has mandated that the creation of one is a top is, is a top priority, um, particularly when it comes to uh, the lead generation process. She's given you free reign to develop the strategy, but she's only set aside a minimal budget. Whilst you prove the concept, I appreciate this is a big question. <laughs> what would you do?
1: <laughs> well, if so, working for said company and the big goals are related to lead gen, um, I think my initial uh, conversations with said CEO would revolve around who is our customer audience, if if we know who they are, um, and. You know just understanding not only who they are but what types of current conversations are they having in social media so you know you don't always have to use a tool to do social listening um, oftentimes i like doing social listening directly within the the tools whether it's twitter whether it's linkedin looking up words and, and phrases and hashtags um, and i think that's where you can start kind of brainstorming and developing ideas for content Um, I think the other piece to it is just understanding, you know, what, what is our current content mix? I I've, you know, been harking on this for a while, but, um, I I think it's very useful and important to have as diverse array of content as possible. So if the goals are, you know, revolving around lean gen, um, you know, companies in this space, um, I'd want to see, you know, what are assets in relation to, um, our customers and our competitors. Um, you know, you can even do some profiling and seeing how others in the space are doing to kind of, you know, um, see what your competitors are doing to kind of, you know, get the same kind of customers that you are. Um, what are ways that you can kind of differentiate yourself? What are ways that you can do better? Um, you know, what are our current resources in churning out said content? Um and I think that's kind of where, where where I lead. Um, first I, you know, I'd wanna understand our audience as best as I possibly can, kind of the psychographic. Um, you know, what type of practitioner are they? You know, are they are they someone that's in the weeds or are they kind of an executive that we're trying to profile and target? Um, and also, you know, are they currently on social? And if so, what does their profile look like when it comes to education and experience and if they're having conversations on social what kind of content are they sharing but specifically to this industry what are they saying um what are some gaps that you know we can fill in in terms of helping them in their industry um you know are we doing anything currently that's providing options and and tools and services that can you know make their life better um you know are there um, applications where we can, you know, save them money, help them do cool things. So I, I think that's the key thing that I would, you know, start off with, you know, before creating any type of content, just getting as much information as possible on our key competitors, but also just our current um, audience and who we're trying to uh, connect with
0: a masterclass in social media, B2B marketing. I love it. Thank you so much. Syed, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And you've shared so much knowledge um, that uh, I'm sure the B2B marketing world at large will hugely benefit from. Really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for appearing on B2B Better. This was fun. Thank you for having me. And that's it for episode three of B2B Better. A huge thank you to Syed for joining me on this episode and sharing the amazing insights that he's picked up from over a decade working in B2B social media. I highly recommend you follow him on Twitter. You can find him at West underscore Syed. That's W-E-S-T underscore S-Y-E-D. You can also find him on LinkedIn. His profiles are just treasure troves of juicy B2B social media tips. If you found this episode useful or you enjoy listening to the podcast, share it with your colleagues, leave a rating, review, subscribe. It's all greatly appreciated. And if you've got any questions, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Jason R. Bradwell or visit the B2B Better website at www.b2b-better.com. We've got episode four coming out soon and it's a doozy, I tell you. Have a great day.